Welcome to the Hillside Community Church Podcast. Wherever you're at in your faith, we hope this episode encourages you. If you enjoy the listen, let your friends know, and we'll catch you next time. Happy 2019. Uh, Somewhere, probably, at the end of this year, whether it was around Thanksgiving or at Christmas time, you probably had a moment, whether you made a big deal out of it or not, where you thought about the way God has blessed you in some way. Hopefully you had a moment like that. Um, I had some moments like that, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing some reading on a subject that made me think about uh, what would my life be like if God had never entered it? I mean, to have him in my life for all the different, for, for whatever it is comes my way, I have him to walk with me through it. And imagine not having that. It's an incredible blessing. Um, and then uh, I thought about my, my own life and, you know, family and, you know, I have wonderful wife. Uh, my son lives in Colorado. He was able to come home for Christmas, and that was our first Christmas to, to have, you know, when everybody's together, when, when someone has been away, that was sort of unique. It had never happened to us before. We had a great time. It was very, very special. Um, I have a son who's about to be married on April 7th, um, and, you know, they, they found a place that they're going to be living in in Grapevine. They um, uh, he's found a, a lady that we just think very highly of. is a really blessing. Um, and he's going to be moving out. He's my favorite because he's going to be moving out very, very soon. Uh, and I thought about, you know, the, you know, probably the friends in your life. You, you feel blessed that you have people to do life with. Um, none of these, by the way, in every category is perfect. I mean, some of us might be in, have some turmoil and messes in our lives. There's always something. But for the most part, you can always look around and see God's blessing. And the final thing I thought about uh, was this church. I don't usually say this much, you know, um, but I do want to take a moment to say I'm very, very blessed to be a part of this community. It's a great church. There's great people in it. There's people in here who love this place and serve it. You guys are generous, you're caring, you serve each other, you're committed to the values of it, you're committed to the mission of it, and it shows. Um, and in a lot of ways, God has blessed it. And I, you know, I, I talk to people a lot who are about to move, and they say, well, we're really going to, you know, because it's like when you move, it's really hard to find a place that can replace something that has meant the world to you, and to hear people describe the hillside as something that's blessed them at some level in the life of this church, wherever they get blessed, is a pretty amazing thing. When you think about all those blessings, uh, you ask yourself, how do, I, how do I live with those blessings? How do I live up to those blessings? Well, this psalm is, a, is really about that, Psalm 67. And I've been reflecting on it for a couple months because I gave a devotion to our staff a couple months, just sort of highlighting a few things in it. Um, it's seven brief verses that talk about really mission and, and 
and vision. And, but it presents it in a way that's very unique, very, very motivating. It's, it's beautiful to, to look at, actually. And so um, let's talk about how do we live up to this blessing. And here's the psalm as a whole. Right, you know, you look at it and you just see some things that really stand out that catch your attention right away. And the first thing is, is you notice it's the earth, so it's it's broad. I mean, there's seven verses, but it's really dense. It's got earth used four times, so we're talking about a broad, broad, universal scope. We're talking about peoples mentioned five times, different peoples, and then nations three times. Uh, which sometimes really is countries. So you talk about the whole planet. So it's seven short verses, but it's crowded. It reminded me of, if you, if you let the feeling of the text really hit you, like being in India. Everywhere you go is just dense with people, highly populated. Uh, and, and that's what this text, and there's something about that in this text that's important. Forest here. So, how many of you struggle with crowds? Like you, 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 you know, I, I'm one of those. I, you know, I'd avoid a crowd. I'd avoid anything to avoid a crowd. Well, you know, if you've got that sort of claustrophobia with the crowd, uh, this text is going to say, you know, it's kind of a spiritual claustrophobia. You might have a spiritual kind of claustrophobia, a spiritual crowd problem. We're going to talk about what that means. So, keep it in mind. Because it's not only that that stands out, but there's one other thing. It's only seven verses, but two are exactly alike. Two of them in seven verses. Which means they stand out for some reason. And what you're seeing in this, it's a psalm anyway, and you're worshiping. You assume whoever's singing this or praying it or uh, reciting it, reading it, they're, they're worshiping. And you see, let the peoples praise you. And you say, like, let, 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 let people praise you. And you think that's the people who are probably in there praising right now, people in the room praising. But then it says, let all the peoples praise. And you see this word all used a number of times in the text. It's very dense. It's very crowded, uh, universal in its scope, seven verses. And what you see in this um, is to make other people a priority in the context of this worship experience. Uh, You're never just thinking about what it's done for you. You're never just thinking about what it's done for you. It's it's incredibly inclusive. And so uh, while they're worshiping, let the peoples rejoice, let all of them do it. They're sort of imagining One day, everyone realizing that the greatest blessing they have is God in their life. That's the greatest blessing they have. And what an incredible moment will it be when everyone recognizes that. And it's on their minds while they're thinking about the blessings God's given them. And asking for more. You see the the plan, you see God's saving plan in this text. I'm going to uncover that for you. Within this context, God uncovers his saving plan for the world and our role in it. That we actually have a role in it, which is a blessing in itself. 
So how, do the, how does the blessing and, the, and God's plan and vision for the world come together to help us when we gather like, like this right here? And, and how would it change 2019 for us? Well, a couple of things. It's really, really beautiful. I'll try to touch on these really quick. Verse one, may God be gracious to us. This is the prayer. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine on us. That's the first statement. Second statement is that your way may be known on the earth and your saving power among all the nations. These are two separate, very, very important Hebrew uh, scriptures and concepts in the, in, in the section of the Old Testament that he splices together. You have, they come together in one. So this one here, is the Aaronic blessing, the Aaronic benediction. So when Moses and when God starts the priesthood in Numbers and the priests come together and Aaron becomes the first one and Moses says to him, this in, fact, in fact, this is what it actually says. Here's what happens. Moses says to Aaron, you and your sons who are gonna be priests, here's what I want you to do. God says, I want you to say to the people of Israel, thus, shall, thus you shall be shall bless the people of Israel. You're gonna bless them, and this is what you're gonna to say to them. The Lord bless you, let's put it like that. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. This is a moment when all of Israel standing before God and God says to them, I'm going to make you mine and I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a nation, a people, and I'm going to bring you to myself. And you're gonna your identity is going to change. Your purpose in the world is going to change. Your character is going to be completely transformed. Everything about you. And I'm just going to give it to you. In fact, he says, I'm going to make your face to shine on you. Here's the text. Make his face, God, shine on us. This is an incredible moment. Because the idea of face, and in the Old Testament, you think about God's face, you think about intimacy and closeness. You think about uh, relationship. And this is God saying, this is God saying, I'm going to bless you because I want to be in relationship with you. And I want my face to shine on you. I want you to feel the smile. We very rarely picture God happy and smiling. And this is God actually with the delight in who we are. That's a powerful, and if you're Israel, you're standing there going, this is all amazing. This is all gracious because we don't deserve any of it. To, who knows, not very long ago, we weren't even a nation. Then we were, we were slaves. And now look, very blessed. It's the ironic blessing. And it was to Israel. But then the second one is the Abrahamic covenant. It's Genesis 12. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I'll show you, says Abraham. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. Your name will be great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, dishonor. Anybody dishonors you, I'll curse and you, all the families of the earth, will be blessed. And so now you have this whole idea that Israel is special and blessed. And then 
immediately he attaches right to it. Ah, you're not blessed for nothing. You're blessed so that you can be a blessing. And all of a sudden you see God's mission, God's vision for the world. I I got the whole earth in mind. I've got every family of the earth in mind that I want to bless. And he brings these two powerful pictures together. I want to bless you so that you can bless others. And they're connected in such a way that, you, that they re, it really doesn't work without each other. And you get a little bit of a window into how God intends to save the world. He's going to bless his people. And they, in turn, are going to bless the rest of the world. That's his plan. And we're a part of it. Now, let's talk about it. Just think about the fact that God will never bless you. God never blesses you except that you might be a blessing to others. Because verse 4 talks about him being a guide. And uh, let's see, uh, he will be, the nations will be glad. What are they going to be singing for? What, what could the whole world be singing about? They could be singing about the fact that God, and the, the word judge there is probably better administrate, governed. He just governs with equity and justice. He just knows how to treat people fairly. He knows how to administer it, and he knows how to guide. That's the word for lead. Same one in Psalm 23, lead us beside still waters. He just is a shepherd who knows how to lead. These are the kinds of blessings we experience, and the whole world can have them. Because you have them, the world can have them. So God never calls us to closeness or intimacy without actually calling us to be sacrificially serving other people. So in the context, this is a nation, so you've got to put it in the context of the nation, okay? A nation of Israel. This is God saying it to a nation. Well, God doesn't work through the nation anymore right now. He's working through the church. They're the people who gather together and worship. They're the ones that are going to be reading this, singing it, worshiping to it, and hoping it happens. We're the ones. Ephesians 1 says God to the church. God has blessed us, or blessed God who's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. One verse, three blessed. It's us. So how does that, how does that work? You know, because when we gather together, we're supposed to rehearse both of these realities. We've been blessed, but we must also be a blessing. And so in the context of this really sort of beautiful picture comes, I think, I think two overarching sort of uh, realities, two things that ought to be true about us, the way to express the fact that we have been blessed by God. And the first one is to be a contributor. Let me talk about what that means, to be a contributor. Um, Because in this psalm, it it doesn't give any room for you to be a consumer. You know, you're just going to, you're just, you're going to just tank, take things in. So when we come together, you could just be here to consume. Let me just let God fill my tank. Let me think about my life, and that's it. You could do that. But if you do, you've missed it. You've missed the connection God's making. Because to really enjoy God's blessings and to maintain them means that i got to share them. I've got to have the mindset that the blessings can't stop with me. That's the text. So 
I love this vision, this, this sort of graphic way that one of, one of the commentators I read on, uh, on the psalmist, he says like this, some psalmist is praying and he thinks of the blessings of God and it germinates in him into a prayer, which is what this psalm is. He's thinking about God's blessings. It germinates into a prayer that he says this, that explores its possibilities. I mean, think about how many times you saw the word peoples and nations and earth. For a moment, it's, it's way beyond him. I love the phrase. He explored its possibilities that to follow him beyond the narrow circle in which he stood. Because it could have just been just about him. But somehow, that blessing, he realizes, that circle has to open. And then he says... It could have, this narrow circle in which he stood, where it might have seemed to terminate, where it just could have ended right there. God, just do for me what I need done. But he doesn't let that happen. And so somehow this is a prayer to keep, this, keep your circle open. You think about all the places in your life where you're closed. I ain't doing that. I ain't going there. I ain't letting that. I don't need that. How many times? Lots of times we, we live like that. This is God saying, God, please, this is a prayer. Please don't let me keep that circle closed. Help me keep it open to people, not only in this body, but in the world where I live. This is, this is go local. And it's not go local because there's a mission statement. It's not go local because I'm a disciple and God said to make disciples. It's a, it's a, it's a mission statement that says I've been blessed and I need to bless. You know what happens to consumers? They just they just bloat up and become useless. You just take. You know, when we went to Israel, and I've shared this with you before, everybody knows the Dead Sea. They call it the Dead Sea because there's no outlet. Things only come into it and nothing ever goes out of it. So it's called the Dead Sea. You know what happens? Things just accumulate in it. And when you walk into it, you literally bob on it. You don't, you don't sink in it, really. You kind of bob on it. And I, I, we were in there for the first time, and I've always heard that that's true. But when you get in there, it's really it's just dense with a bunch of stuff, and as a result, it's become useless. It's essentially useless. And you just bob on it. You float on it, and you get nothing out of it. You can't even swim in it. That's what happens if you just take in. When I, uh, this has been, you know, I, I've thought about it. <laughs> the best recollection I have is about two decades ago. I was listening to, uh, I was actually in a, in, a, in a church somewhere listening to a, a pastor. And he took out a cup like this. And he said, uh, you know, are you... Are you, you, could, you could live a life that's just like a cup that just takes things in, just gathers stuff, just gets what it can. Or, he said, you could, you, could, you, could, you could tear out the bottom and become a conduit. A thing where blessings come in, but they don't, they don't get stuck in there. They, they move out. They go out to other people. And that picture's never, this simple little visual has never left my brain. It's an incredible, powerful picture. And what he's saying, he's basically saying, are you a container or a conduit? Because the mission requires that we be conduits. I, I did some, doing some research for the series that's coming up. 
uh, we start next week called If Not Now. And uh, one of the things that I did was I, I just went and looked at the most recent statistics on giving. Uh, the series is not on giving, but it was one of the things I needed to research. And, um, and it talked about the annual gross income. This is, a, this is all the way to at least 2016 was the one I could get the, the, the clearest rates on. It was 2016. And it literally said people who uh, make $25,000 or less give about 12.3% of their income. People who make 20 to, 25 to 50,000 give 6.8. This, this was not a church thing. Uh, 50 to 75,000, they give 4.8. 75,000 to 100,000, they give 3.8. 200,000 to a million, they give about 2.6. And it just goes like this. In other words, the, the greater the blessing, the the less the outflow. And you know, you, you, have you ever thought about why one of the reasons we're so miserable? And maybe 2018 was really miserable for you? It could be because it was just about you. If you make it about you, that's what's going to happen. You really will be miserable. So it's possible that we get more, and when we get more, we want more, but we give less in all the categories of our life. So this is a text saying, when you gather together, you ought to stop and think and pray and sing and read of God's blessing to you. You ought to ask him for them and you ought to thank him for the ones he's given you. And at the very same time, you ought to remember that I have lived an entire week before I got in here. Monday through Saturday, doing my best to be a blessing to other people so that I can come in here and with a clean conscience ask God to bless my life so that I could go back out and be a blessing again. That's what it means to come in here. It's not about taking. Now, uh, so let's talk about when you come here. So since, since we're a church and we're a church body and this happens corporately, this is obviously a corporate picture. This is something we have to do together. Where else? I mean, when you're at work, Monday. Is anybody going to rally you around God's mission? I doubt it. This is where we do it when we come together. Now, in order to do that, it's just amazing to me that they're singing about all of the nations when Israel usually is in a non or is an adversarial relationship with the nations. It's like here we are, and they're out there to us and them. And here in this psalm, all those are gone away. So if we're going to have that sort of attitude. We're going to have to monitor when we get together. You're going to have to monitor this in yourself, that sort of grumpy, exclusive mindset. This is, I'm glad I have this. This is mine. I'm glad I have this. I'm glad I have this church, but I'll never invite anybody to it. I'm glad I have this small group, but I don't want anybody else coming in here and messing it up. Okay. I'm glad I have uh, whatever it is I have in here. But I can't imagine an opening. I'm glad we have Sunday morning, but I hope, it, I hope more people don't come and screw up the parking. <laughs> you know, it's that kind of attitude. You've got to monitor where you've closed your circle and you're not inclusive because that, that militates against everything God's doing in the world and why he blesses you in the first place with anything you have, especially what you have here. And the other thing is to be open and inviting to anyone and everyone at any given time. That's the idea. 
The psalmist is saying, don't monopolize God. Don't imagine that if other people get blessed too, that somehow you'll get shortchanged. God's big enough. Now, speaking of that, I want to show you something. Psalm 67 falls into a greater section of the, of the Psalter, it's called, if you think of the whole thing, the whole book of Psalms, a section with Psalm 42 to, to 87, somewhere in there, that whole section is called the Elohistic Psalter, and that's because the primary name of God that's used is Elohim instead of Yahweh, which Yahweh was the personal name, Elohim is the universal name of God. Okay? Yahweh was the nation's special name for God. They, they, were, they were very careful how they even used it. It was so sacred and personal to them. But in this section of the psalm, this one's the most. And in Psalm 60 to 67 goes the longest stretch without the word Yahweh in it. It's used, but not nearly as much. In fact, in this section we're in, which we're in Psalm 67, only 6410 has the word Yahweh. But look how many times the word God is used in Psalm 67. Quite a few. What is that saying? Well, some commentators call this the the evangelistic pamphlet of the psalm. It's the one section where Israel, even when they come to worship, they're careful what name they use of God because they are thinking of everyone and not just themselves. Isn't that amazing? Think about the impact that has on your worship. That the inclusive name of God is used. Not the exclusive name of God. Because their minds were on others. So what what would it look like to become inclusive here? Well, I've mentioned a couple things already. But you know, you serve on Sunday morning. Sunday mornings are so important in the life of the church. Because this is side of the one day when the doors are wide open to anyone. They're just wide open. And you're hoping people come. You're hoping people wake up. You're hoping people, somebody was invited. You're hoping somebody comes. That's not used to being here. And you, if you can, you want to be a part of knowing that says, man, if that's kind of, you know, that, that one time in the week, how can I help? How can I be mindful of guests and other people besides just me? How can I have a missions mindset that's broad and inclusive enough that if there's anyone that doesn't have the blessings I have in God that I might invite them in it, no matter what it is, whether it's sitting with me at a table, whether it's in, with me in a class, whether it's me serving somewhere, where can I include them? Whether I'm serving in a children's ministry room, How can I be inclusive and invite? And you're like, I don't want more kids in this room. Gee, many Christmas. I don't know if we can handle it. Get in here, kid, because you need it. You ought to have it. Uh, You know, small group. You got a small group you love? Can't imagine anyone else coming in. You're hoarding the blessings of it. You're hoarding the wonders of it. You can't let anybody else have that kind of a mindset is this is not the mindset of God. There's no context in your life where you, can, where you can say, I'm blessed here, and then not open the doors to somebody else to be blessed. 
That is what he's saying. You know, we have people in here that serve that we lead. You know, if you've been discipled by someone here, you ought to say, dadgummit, I'm going to disciple somebody. If someone has influenced you and, and impacted your life and changed the direction of it, you ought to go, I need to find someone I can do that for. We have people who serve in our marriage. If you don't know anything about our sort of a, uh, that marriage thing we do here, it's an incredible ministry. It's, you know, I don't know, eight, nine, ten weeks of these just very incredible stuff happens. And if you go through it, I don't care how, what, what, your, what state your marriage is in, it's going to get better. Because it's amazing how close they get and the things that happen in there. It's powerful for a marriage. And people come out of that and they go, I need to be a leader in this because, and the people who lead it are people who've gone through it and go, this thing blessed us so much that I need to help somebody else with their marriage and I'm happy to do it. And it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to get that intimate with people who are struggling to be intimate through a semester. It takes a lot of effort. It better have blessed you or you won't have the energy to, to, to pour it out. So you just think about your life and you just go, where can, I, where can I be a blessing? I don't know who's gonna walk in the door. We had a young girl, I just heard, just, just got the story right after. I'm standing out there and I see this family talking to somebody and they walked in and they're fairly new, not, not totally new, but their fifth grade daughter gave, gave her life to Christ this morning right here at the end of our service. And it's being connected to Jason and all that kind of stuff right here in this room. And you're like, that's it. That's what God wants. You say, we got enough fifth graders. <laughs> Do we? That's the idea. So get involved in our missions. Our missions, we have great missions things going on around here. In fact, this year we're going to devote three weeks to missions instead of one. Because we're, we have so much going on. Uh, I just, at the end of the year, I got a picture uh, some plans from Arturo and our church sister church in Honduras about how they're going to expand to a second floor and want, because the children's education program is growing so much they want to put a second floor on the building that we've helped them build because it's growing and, and the way they're reaching kids it's making them reach families and it's impacting their church in a way that's just incredible so they have this expansion vision which we get to be a part of. And then, you know, I was in India, and while I was in India and watching Kirk, and then I got to see, uh, I got, uh, Kirk said something to me I haven't been able to get out of my head. Every four years, a half a billion Indian people die. And India has kicked all the Christians out, at least northern India. You're thinking to yourself, how in the world are these people going to come to Christ? And then we have a family, you know, like Daryl and Kimberly Beckham, who, who, who have decided that they want to partner with a church in St. Lucia. And, you know, you think to yourself, if I said to you St. Lucia, you're thinking, uh, well, honeymoon, honey, we should go on a vacation. That's what you think. Well, this Daryl, this hard-headed, no-nonsense man that he is, finds a church there and realizes there's... And underground issues there that people who vacationed there would never know. If I say St. Lucia, you think tiki huts. You don't think need. Well, they have figured out that there's teenagers there. The teen problem there between the drug traffic and the lack of work and education and the lack of government help and lack of role models, these kids roam free and they just follow into the footsteps and it just cycles and recycles 
the, uh, the horror of, and you, if you sit down with them, listen, I have it right here. I have three pages of why it's not the vacation spot you think it is. Thank God someone is seeing that because you and I might not have ever. That's called peoples and nations and the earth. I'm, that's a thrilling thing. So get involved in our mission. So that's a contributor. Here's the second one and the final one. I want to hit this. I kind of want to hit it hard. wish I had more time to deal with it. But the second one is, 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 is the worship part. Be a worshiper. Be a worshiper. Now, that's a broad term. And I kind of want to just bring it to our time together and our time when we worship here. Because when you think about worship, one of the, one of the things about worship that happens in this room, and it, happens, it probably happens to you, is you think to myself, well, that's now, Pete. Now, that's one area. This is me and God. 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 And the psalmist here is saying, uh-uh, it's never just you and God. You're never just worshiping God without a mindset for everybody. Because then you don't understand what it means to worship. Because you can't worship him and him not impact you to think about other people. And so when you gather together, so when they would read this psalm, you know when they would read it? At the harvest festivals. Why the harvest festivals? Because that's the place where everybody came in and said, hey, wasn't that a great year? Didn't God do some great things for us? Hey, you think about harvest. It was a, you know, in, in that agricultural society, fertility was everything. They had fertility gods for everything. They prayed for every, every little thing they had a god for. You need wheat, you need this, you need rain, you need that. Whatever it was, there was a god for it. And they would all pray to the gods to get it because you couldn't survive without growth and rain and produce. It was how you lived. And they'd pray to all these gods. And when they prayed to those gods, it was all so that they could be blessed. But it was never because they had a heart to reach other people. And in this one, the, the psalmist is saying, we worship together. We come together. We worship and we imagine other people actually worshiping with us that aren't here. Because we see the scope of God's, we can't imagine that the blessing of God stops with us. That's this point. It's a powerful picture. And I want you to notice something. This is not easy. I, I, had, to, I had to reflect here. When you get to this, uh, so this that's why he says in 6a, look. The earth has yielded its increase because they'd come together at harvest. That's Pentecost, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Uh, you have uh, uh, Passover. There's all the time to celebrate. Look what God's done because the earth has yielded its increase. Let's thank God we wouldn't be alive if it didn't happen. Okay, and then, and then uh, look at this bold prayer. It leads them to boldly do something that maybe you have a problem with. I have a little bit of a problem with. Just boldly asking God to bless us. Twice. God bless us. God bless us. And you're thinking, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes there's certain things I ask for that I, I'm very hesitant to ask for. And there are times when I go, Lord, I don't even know if I can ask for that, and I feel really selfish to ask for that. But I will say this. I'm not going to survive without his blessings. I'm not going to survive. So I need them, and there's a broad scope of what they are, but I need them. So I got to have the humility to ask him. 
But I also have to have the generosity to realize none of them can stop with me. They've got to get it. As, as they're coming in, I've got to be thinking about where they go, whatever those blessings are. Then I won't feel so selfish. It's not a selfish psalm, even though they're boldly asking for things. Because they're not selfish. They're thinking of other people. It's the only way to really be fulfilled and blessed is when you see others blessed from it. Now, this is the sort of element of praise that I think sort of adds a unique expression to your worship. It's not just me. The way we worship together is a picture to people who are coming in. How we respond to God together in here, if it's real and if it's authentic and if it's meaningful, other people will respond to it. They'll say, I need that. That's what I want. They don't want tricks. Wouldn't it change the way you worshiped a little if you came in here thanking God and asking him for something and at the same time thought of yourself giving? So, Two things come to my mind as on that. Number one, um, I got to be here. I got to be here to do it. I want to be here. I want to be part of the group that's praising God for what he's done and orienting myself toward others. That's what I want to do together. You can't do it any other way. And in our age, especially the digital age, there's a fine, there's like a seamless line between the digital and the analog. It's very easy to say it's more convenient to just watch it online. You can't get the dynamic in this here by by watching it online. That'll make you a, a, a consumer more than anything else. Just feed me. It's not important how I interact with anyone else. It's not important that I'm available to make sure someone else is getting blessed. That doesn't cut it. And they'll die. I was reading, I, mean, I read a guy every once in a while, I listen to him every once in a while. He does this podcast, he does blogs, and he's a pastor, and he's got his hands on the pulse, probably about as well as anyone, on sort of the, 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 the trends of the church. And last week, he came out with a thing called the five disruptive trends that are happening in church that we better pay attention to. And uh, the first trend, the first trend he gave was this one. Charismatic expressions of church will grow while attractional churches will continue to stall out. In other words, if you're just trying to attract people, there's nothing real or meaningful when they get there. Something's going to die. It's not going to work. And he's not necessarily talking about charismatic theology. We've had our conversations about that. What he's talking about there is a real meaningful, experiential opportunity to interact with God when we get here. Sometimes when we're in here together and I'm am every bit as guilty of this, you'd think I was at a like a conference for my job. We're just standing there, and if anybody walked in and saw me, they'd never even see a heart or a, an enthusiasm for the fact all God has done for me and what I get to do for him. I, th- I think we need to think about that. When we're in here worshiping. He goes on to say, I don't really know all the ways that means you have to figure it out. And I, and I agree with him. I don't know all that it means. All I know is that when I'm worshiping God in here, 
There ought to be something pretty clear about me that I'm really, really grateful to God that he, what he has done. For me. It, ought to be, it ought to be visible. So that people can learn who come in that God is accessible even though he's way beyond us. So the people would get together, they'd read and sing, and anyone, anyone who would read this, anyone who would sing it, anyone who would worship about it would almost be forced to align themselves. You can't even say the words in this psalm without thinking of everyone. So by being here and singing together, we're aligning ourselves with the truth that God blesses the world through us. So Derek Kidner, psalmist, I'll close with this. He's a... Uh, commentator on on psalms and he writes this and I, I really liked it he said God or let God let God who makes much out of little and distributes it in love bring such blessing on us as to make us in our turn the blessing of the world isn't that incredible that God, gracious, because we didn't deserve it, would bless us in such a way that we could actually become a blessing to the world by how we function together, worship together, serve together, meet together, and leave together. Hey, thanks for watching today's message. We hope it encourages you wherever you're at in your faith. If you enjoyed it, let your friends know. We'll catch you next time.